Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Ardana Osman, here with my friend, Chibruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Kedushin, daf Samachet, page 65. Well, the last two daf, we had a series, I think, in total of six Mishnayos altogether. Uh, and now we have a rather long one that we're going to spend a little bit of time on, finally. And it's a Mishnah that presents a series of different cases. Ha'omer Lishap, a man says to him, Kidash Tich, Right, I betrothed you. Right, and she says, "No, we didn't have kedushin between the two of us." Who asor bekrovateha? So he is forbidden to her relatives, but she is permitted to marry his relatives. Right, because we know that once a man and a woman get married to each other, some of her relatives become forbidden to him. Right, like her mother, her grandmother, sisters, daughters, um, and things like that. Um, and if she and she becomes forbidden to some of his relatives, like his father, sons, uh, brothers and brothers, sons. So here we have a case for the mission in the mission where the man's claiming, yes, we had Kedushan and but he can't, you know, obviously there's no witnesses or anything like that. The woman, you know, says, no, that isn't true. The woman still stays free to marry whoever she wants, because we can't actually establish whether or not this is true. Um, but the but for the man who's making this claim, even though maybe we don't have witnesses for it, because he is the one saying that it's true, then he sort of has forbidden himself to her other relatives. Uh, then they have, you know, the reverse. He omered, if she says, Kiddishtani, you betrothed me. V'hu omer lo And he says, no, I didn't betroth you. Hu mutar He's permitted to her relatives. V'hi asura v'kurobab. But she's forbidden to his relatives. Next case, if he says, I betroth you, you didn't betroth me, rather you did Kedushan with my daughter. He is forbidden to marry the relatives of the mother, right? Because remember, he's claiming he married the mother. And the mother is permitted to marry his relatives. He is permitted to marry the relatives of the of the daughter, right? So in other words, he could marry a paternal sister of the daughter, right? Because the 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 um because that that person would not be related to the mother in any way. Um uh and the younger daughter is permitted permitted to marry his uh his relatives. Um and so essentially what the mission is showing us here is that the mother of this girl isn't, we don't believe her at all. And basically everybody's allowed, uh, you know, like we don't, we don't, uh, uh, we don't allow, you know, we don't give the mom any credibility to what she said. We don't believe her at all. And that's why the daughter and her are allowed to marry whoever they want. He is just forbidden because he's sort of, uh, you know, he, he makes himself forbidden by claiming that he actually did condition with that woman, similar to the case before. Next case, he says, I betrothed your daughter, and she says, no, you didn't betroth me, her, rather you betrothed me. So he's forbidden to marry the relatives of the younger. Again, the point is, whoever he forbids himself, whatever relationship he claims that there is, who he did Kedushan with, that's who he's going to be forbidden to. Right, he's forbidden to marry the relatives of the younger. Sorry, Tana Muter Bikrubab, but the younger is permitted to marry his relatives, that daughter. Hu Muter Bikrubot Kedola, he's permitted to marry the relatives of the um, 
of the mother, because again, he, he claims there's no kedushin between the two of them, but in this case, the mother is actually forbidden to marry his relatives. Um, and, uh, you know, so the man can't marry the daughter's relatives. The mother can't marry his relatives because we're basically saying we're going to believe both of their claims, right? But the inverse of that claim, we're not going to believe. And those are the relatives that they can marry. Uh, the Gemara is going to start off here. And I know you're going to read the Gemara here, um, but it basically is going to go through why do we need each of these cases, right? Because it sort of seems that the principle is the same, right? If you make a claim that by that claim would make you forbidden to a certain group of people to marry them, we're going to believe you and say that you're forbidden. The person who denies that claim, you know, if, in other words, if we can't establish the claim and someone denies that claim, we'll also believe them and they'll be allowed to marry those people who would have been forbidden to them had that claim of marriage actually been true. So the Gemara wants to go through, why do you need every single one of these particular cases? So the part of the Gemara that I actually want to talk about is a little different from that. So now you know, like that's the bulk of the Gemara that to our co-learners, right? But we have here just a little bit of, I don't know, uh, midway after the Gemara begins, after the Mishnah, it says, Itamar, Rav Amar. So if you're following along, that's where you can find it. So what happens is, or rather what we're about to see here is that we have a dispute amongst the Amorayim over how the court would actually handle these cases, meaning these cases from Mishnah, eventually they would need to be adjudicated. And so then they would need to come to the court and then the court has to know what to do. And here we have a machlok, a dispute between Rav and Shmuel. Rav Amar Kofin, Ushmuel Amar Mevakshim. Rav says the court forces the man to give the woman the bill of divorce. And Shmuel says he would ask, the court would ask the man to give the woman a bill of divorce. That's a really different practice. First of all, we know that a forced divorce doesn't count. It's not a divorce. So what is Rav really saying here? And Shmuel's request, like, how how forceful, really, is a request if if they ended up in court to begin with, right? Like, presumably, that was something that didn't need court if it was just going to be, you know, the matter of a request. So, Ahaya, so the Gemara wants to know, you know, which case of the Gemara is this machoket, is this dispute between Rav and Shmuel referring to to begin with? Because it doesn't really make sense for each and every one of the cases if you plug it through. Ilema Aresha Lav Kofinika. If you say it's talking about the first case, namely, where it says, you know, I, I was Makadesh, you, right? I betrothed you. And she says, you did not. So then there's not like, what, what kind of forcing is going on there? Right? It doesn't really make sense. Lav Kofinika. And also nothing to request. Like the whole dispute between Rav and Shmuel here doesn't really apply to that particular case. So we're going to say, well, really, then it's going to make sense only applying to the end, to the latter case of the mission. What's that? Namely, he denies her claim that he betrothed her, right? She says, you betrothed me. And he says, no, I did not. And the whole point is, if he says, no, he did not, then the goal is that she, he, he really basically would want her to be able to go marry somebody else. The court wants her to be able to go marry somebody else. She presumably also wants out. I don't know. But, right, that's the issue. So then now we need a get. We need some way for her to be able to leave that perhaps pseudo-dynamic, but it has to have a get to, to undo it, or to at least at least to be on the safe side. Bishlama Mivakshin. 
So the Gemara says, all right, it's fine to say the the, the Gemara, that the, I'm sorry, that the court requests that he give a bill of divorce because requesting, maybe it doesn't accomplish much or maybe it does, maybe it's sufficient. At the end of the day, there's no problem with making a request, right? That's fine. Ella, kofin am I. But when we're talking about forcing, how can that possibly work? Meaning, if we're going to say that the court should force him to give this get, then why can't he just say, like, I don't want to be forbidden to her relatives, right? Meaning, the very fact that he would end up giving that divorce would be an acknowledgement, kind of tacitly, right, that he agrees that he, in fact, did betroth her as she had claimed and now she now because they were betrothed you know that's what it means then he cannot marry any of her relatives and maybe he says i don't want to be prohibited to marry her relatives so therefore i'm not gonna you can't force me i'm not gonna give a get uh because it never happened right that's his claim so ella shmata so rather the government has a better approach or a different way of looking at it let's look at these halachas as they were stated together namely so rather, Shmuel says that the court requests that he give a divorce. Amar Rav, and Rav says, So Rav's statement of forcing isn't then about the get, but rather he says if he gave a divorce, if the guy gave a divorce of his own accord, right, just because she asked for it, that's, it should be a sufficient, he gives it of his own mirzono, right, from his own interest, then the court could force him to pay the ketubah. Meaning he can't get out of the ketubah once he's just agreed that he in fact did give, was betrothed to her. He did betroth her. Now he's giving a get to get out of that, to undo that union. Then now Rav's statement makes sense I suppose, right, to say he could in fact, we can force her to give a get. The problem of course is that the parallels between in this dispute between Rav and Shmuel no longer line up, right? They're talking about completely different cases. Be that as it may, let's also note the Gemara here goes on to say there's another way of looking at it. There was another statement that was made. Itamar Nami, Amarav Akhabar Ada, Amarav. Rav Akhabar Ada says that Rav says, and some said it was Rav Akhabar Ada who said Amarav Hamnuna, that was really Rav Hamnuna said that it was really Rav, Amar Rav. All of this comes back to Rav, regardless, because his view is the difficult one. Kofin umivakshim. Rather, what he said was not kofin, plain old force him, but force and request. Namely, how does that work? Right? Taite. So the camera says, what are you talking about? Like, what, what do you mean both here? There's two statements. Now we've got a problem. So it's follows. Hachikamai, this is how to understand it. Mivakshin mimenu. Litain get request from him that he should give a get. And meaning, and so the the machloket, the dispute between Rav and Shmuel again is not a dispute according to this read. There's request of him that he give a get. Now he's given a get. Now you can force him to give a ketuba. Now why wouldn't Shmuel agree with that? I don't know. Right? Meaning like the the machloket kind of pales. It stops being so interesting when the Gemara resolves it so neatly. It's tied up with a bow. On the other hand, it kind of does make sense with the case. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting to see sort of how, what they spin off from this particular Mishnah. Like, they kind of create the Amorayim, their own set of cases that are not found in the Mishnah itself, but they sort of riff off from this particular Mishnah. Right. And the daf, I mean, keep going with the daf, right? All of these cases, as you said, Yudina, 
they all get discussed. Well, that's our top discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend e. Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 